lot to make some people happy, huh? <laughs> I just want to make millions and millions of dollars and control the world. That's it. That, that'll make me happy. <laughs> you ever met anyone who's just not happy? Like, no matter what happens, they're not happy. Have you? Um, you can say, what a beautiful day. Yeah, but it's supposed to be windy later. You know? We got some snow on, on Wednesday. Did you guys see that? We, we count everything if it's the snowballs. Um, someone said it's hailing. I said, no, we call that sleet. It, it's not hail this time of year. That's sleet. Well, funny thing is that, that in, in life, I, you, you run across a lot of people, and if you talk with them about what would make them happy or what would make them content, they always have something. And, and In fact, I love that uh, in the beginning they said one thing. If you could wish for one thing, what would it be? And so you had people that came up with one thing, and, and, and they did that. And, and then later they went to three. Did you notice that? And, and then they came up with three, and the one guy said, well, if I could have one more thing, you know, just, just one more thing. So, so we're in Timothy. Paul's writing this letter to Pastor Timothy, who's a pastor in Ephesus. And, and this is, uh, we're calling this series, Blueprint, God's Design for the Church. And, and so the, the Apostle Paul has just talked, uh, last week we talked about slaves and masters, that relationship uh, that, that you have with those who, who are in authority over you. And, and we talked about, really, that's what it is. It's an issue of authority and submitting to that authority. The Apostle Paul now picks up with uh, chapter 6, and, and we're going to end with the last part of verse 2, and then go through verse 10. Read along with me, if you would, in, in your, your Bible or your app or your thing or whatever. that should be on, you guys have the U version of the Bible? It sounds very selfish. Um, at least it's not the me version. Um, that, that would just be worse. But we should be on events on there. Let me see if it pops up today. Looky there, we are. So you can have your notes on your device. Yeah, I know, huh? Doesn't mean you don't have to listen. I'm just saying. All right. So, so let's read beginning in verse 2. We'll start with the last part of verse 2 uh, through verse 10. The Apostle Paul says, Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. You always wondered where that came from, huh? Love it when my little device decides it's going to do something on its own. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I want to spend some time this morning unpacking this as, as we go along. Uh, the Apostle Paul, as he, as he, uh, it's funny, it almost seems a little bit out of place 
as he's instructing Timothy uh, about the church, you know, Timothy, this is how you should pastor. This is what the church ought to look like. And he comes back now to, to a false teaching. And the Apostle Paul uh, really, uh, I, I put in, in, in my notes, um, sound words, not sketchy doctrine. So the Apostle Paul is tell, telling Timothy, Timothy, you need to be sure that you guys are about sound words, not sketchy doctrine. He, he talks about it this way. He says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness... Do you guys think that, that, that everywhere you look these days you have sound doctrine? Nuh-uh. Um, I, I, I cringe a little bit whenever I talk with people and they say, oh, yeah, um, I Googled. <laughs> um, Google is great. Here's how you need to use Google for Bible study. Are, are you ready? Whenever there's that verse and you're like, where is that verse? Just put in part of it in Google. It'll tell you where it is. Close Google and then go study your Bible. <laughs> Uh, that, that's how you use Google for a Bible study. Sound. What, what Paul is saying here to Timothy, Paul is saying, Timothy, look, there are people who are not teaching sound doctrines. They're, they're, they're teaching a different doctrine. Not, it, it sounds kind of like the doctrine that you've heard. But, but they're teaching a different doctrine. And it doesn't accord, it doesn't align, it, it doesn't jive. That's a good word, isn't it? Reach back a little bit for that. It doesn't jive with the sound words that Jesus taught us. I, I like to call that sketchy doctrine. Have you ever run across any sketchy doctrine? Has that ever happened? Yeah? You know? I, I want to be careful the way I say this. I don't have broadcast TV, so I, I don't know this exactly true, but I'm betting that it, Two or three o'clock in the morning, those dudes on their teaching, maybe not the ones you need to be listening to. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, just, just saying. Even if they are, I'm not sure that you're able to receive much at two or three in the morning. Nothing good happens after midnight, isn't that kind of the, the saying? Um, sketchy doctrine, the ones that, you know, you, you're like, I'm not, I don't know. I, I, I'm not too sure uh, about that. Let me, let me give you from, from this passage that, that Paul gives us three characteristics of false teachers. He says here, first of all, they're puffed up with conceit. False teachers are puffed up with conceit. Here's the way that I see this in sketchy doctrine, and, and I'm not awake at 2 or 3 in the morning unless my dog decides it's time to get up and go to the bathroom. And I'm not really even awake. I just I can walk in my sleep and then bring him back. Puffed up with conceit. It, it, it's these teachers that say, you know what? Hey, come here, come here, come here. I've got the inside scoop. No, no, no one else has figured this out. Nobody else in the whole world has figured this out, but I have. And see, if you, I might step on some toes, so I hope you wear your steel-toed boots. You see, if you take this word here, and then go down eight words later and combine it with that other word. And then eight words later, and you, and you know what? That's really cool. And what it really says is, but nobody else has figured that out, but I have. I had someone tell me one time, everybody's got it all wrong. But they knew, they knew what was right. 
Everybody else has got it all wrong, but, but, but I have, here's the way it really is. And I'm like inside screaming, run! <laughs> Puffed up with conceit, they've got it. We, we've got, it's only right here. You can only get the truth right here. Anybody that tells you that, you just run. Because you see, we have the truth. And it's God's word. So first of all, they're, they're puffed up with conceit. The, the funny thing is that, that even though they have this, this teaching and, and they're teaching and they're puffed up with conceit and they think that they have the truth, the truth is that they lack spiritual understanding is what Paul says. He says they, they lack spiritual understanding. We talked about this some in, in, in our, our Sunday school lesson this morning, Faith and Works, we are in James if you are simply seeking information, when you study God's word, you've missed it. If you're simply seeking information from God's word, you've missed it. Now, you can get understanding. But what we, what we seek in studying God's word is not simply information. What we're seeking is transformation. You, you see, here's the thing. There's a lot in here. How many of you guys have been studying this, this Bible for 30 years or more? Well, y'all are slow, man. I finished after. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's a lot in here, isn't there? I, I am continually amazed as I, as I study and, and read. But you know what? I, I don't typically get a lot of new information. I'm at the Lord in 1982, been studying the Word ever since. And, 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 and there is occasionally some things that, that, that I'll read in there and, and you know, I, I understand it a little bit better or, or, or you know, I, I read alongside with a commentary and I'm like, oh, I haven't, I haven't really thought about it that way and, and go. Or, or maybe you get some more of the, the cultural context uh, that, that you weren't aware of that was happening at the time. But usually it's not new information that I get. Here's usually what happens. I'll run across a scripture that I've read many, many times before. And the Holy Spirit takes that scripture and applies it to me exactly where I am right now. And I'm like going, oh, I've never, I've never applied it that way to me. Oh, my. Usually there's conviction that comes along with that. But if you're, if you're studying simply for information, you've missed it. And, and, and false teachers, a lot of times, they'll, they'll want to do that. They're not much interested in transformation because that's a work of the Holy Spirit with God's Word in our lives. But, but they have a lot of new information. And, and here's the thing for, for me, and maybe this is just me. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm too unique. But I can get caught up in a lot of the details. I, I think Satan would love it if I learned and learned and learned and learned a lot about God's Word and didn't apply any of it. I think he would love that. Oh, look, Larry, I love languages. Uh, uh, look, Larry, oh, and, and in Greek, and there's this little nuance, and when you combine this with that, and, and, and if, if that's where I went, and I'm simply getting information, but nothing's changing in my life. Satan, I think, would be okay with that. Man, I think he'd have me in God's word 24-7 if he could manage it, if I could stay awake. False teachers, they lack spiritual understanding. They've got a lot of information, but they lack spiritual understanding. There's not a lot of transformation that's happening. And, and then finally, uh, the third characteristic of false teachers is that they love controversy. 
Some of you are going, I don't know if that's exactly true. Here's how I see it played out a whole lot. They, it's, it's like, oh, you know what? So it, you, you take this and you put that and you put that and, and then you know, they, they like want to turn your world upside down. You know what? Everybody Now, for the last 2,000 years, people have been reading the, the New Testament and they've understood it this way, but no, that's not the way that it really is. You, you, you see, this is what it really means. So, so they love these, these little nitpicky, I say nitpicky, the Holy Spirit gets nitpicky in my life sometimes, but they, they love these little, little bitty things in here that, 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 that brings about this controversy. They're wrong and we're right. And it breeds controversy. The, the result from this, Paul says, is envy, um, dissension, slander, evil suspicions. When I read this, I immediately thought conspiracy theories, evil suspicions. But listen, just because you're paranoid does not mean people aren't out to get you. I just want you to know that. Um, I don't know if they're little green men or not, but I've seen some really dark colored helicopters. I'm just saying. <laughs> evil suspicions and constant friction. This, this, this friction, this, this tension, this, this dissension. False teachers never produce unity in the body of Christ. They don't. They pull away. They divide. They produce quarrels and dissension. In, in fact, they love to argue. They, they want to they persuade you to their way and pull you away from the others. So where do we go in all this? Paul's addressing Timothy and he's telling him, beware of these false teachers. You need to be sure that you are, are on sound, you're, you're going with the sound words and teachings of Jesus Christ. Don't get caught away into to all these false teachings. Don't Sound words, not sketchy doctrine is what he's saying. And then he gets to verse 6. And the Apostle Paul says, it, it, it seems like a, a shift it seems like he's changed subjects, but he hasn't really. He's continuing on. He says, but in contrast to this, to the false teachers, godliness with contentment is great gain. So, so the Apostle Paul kind of makes a little turn with this. Rather than that, this, this envy, this strife, this dissension, the slander, everything that comes from false teaching, he said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And, and then I love this verse. We, we've heard this verse a whole lot. You might not have known where it came from. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. You, you've heard this, I'm sure, many times as I have. Uh, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Never run across that. Um, now, watch, you'll probably see one now. Um, take a picture, put it on Facebook, get famous. And then he, he goes on, he says, But if we have food and clothing with these, we'll be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. What, what's Paul talking about here? I, I see this a whole lot in our society. Our society is the only one I know. Uh, some of you get to travel a whole lot more. Um, so maybe you, you, you can see this in, in different ways in, in other places. I think it's a people thing, not just a cultural thing. 
but, but this idea that we always need something else. That we always need more. God, Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. What, what Paul's saying here, instead of this, this thirst for more, he, he's, he's kind of bringing this in, uh, dovetailing it into this, this false teaching, you know, that, that there's more, there's more. You've you, you got to get in. It's not this, but it's that. And, and all these other things that that produces with false teaching. And then he brings it into this. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. You, you see, there's false teachers, and they want gain from their teaching. But, but what we need to seek is, Godliness with contentment. And, and so that's why I entitled the message this morning, True Contentment. Because I think that this is one of the things that we struggle with a whole lot in our society. I think it's something that we struggle with a whole lot in our world. I think it's probably something we struggle with a whole lot just in our lives. This idea that we need just a little bit more than what we have. And, and, and it comes in a lot of different forms. Have you ever thought about this? If I just had a little bit more money... Then, then things would be great. If I just had just a little bit more time, if I had a little bit more wisdom, <laughs> if I had a little bit more hair, no, we don't ever go that way. Um, l- let, me, let me tell you three problems that, the Paul, that Paul says here with wanting more. It, first in, in uh, chapter 6, verse 7, He says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. The first problem is this, that earthly things are temporary. You you see, we can want more. We can can want more. But here's the problem, is that all of these things that we have in in this life are temporary. I can't think of a single thing in this life that's not temporary. And how many of you ate yesterday? Did you? Not everybody, boy. Some of you better than me. Now, two days ago, I didn't eat, but that's a whole different story. Is that two or three days? I forget. John was with me. We're on the same schedule, aren't we? His brother's right here. We won't even go there. (laughs) How many of you think you're going to have to eat again today? Well, I thought you got that taken care of yesterday. I might even eat twice today. That's just the way that goes. Um, earthly things are temporary. And, and the problem with, with wanting more is there's never an end to that. And, and that leads into the second one. Wants will never be satisfied. You ever thought about that? Your wants will never be satisfied. He says it this way in verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, with these we'll be content. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, look... We need to stay away from the wants because the wants will never be satisfied. We just need to look for the necessities. Listen, if we just have food and clothing, isn't that enough? Wouldn't that just be enough? Notice he didn't even mention shelter. You know, there's some places in the world, not here, but some places in the world where you could probably live outside and be okay. Some of you are going, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. It's true. Some places with a really temperate climate, you can, Paul's talking here, if we just have food and, and clothing, isn't that enough? Now, there is a, a, a little language thing here. Clothing here could extend and, and mean shelter in, a, in another kind of way. But your wants will never be satisfied. You ever thought about that? 
What's your favorite kind of food? Mine's Chinese. Here's the problem with Chinese food. Two hours later, it's like you never ate anything at all. Uh, true story, I don't have to make stuff up like this. Whenever I go by myself to a, a, a meeting or a conference or something in, in Albuquerque, I'm going on a Sunday, Chick-fil-A's closed, otherwise I'd hit there. I go to my favorite Chinese food place and I order two orders of pork fried rice to go. And I'll go back to my hotel room, get settled in, and I eat the first one. By the end, it's usually like about 5 or 6 o'clock. You know, I eat that one. And by like 7 or 8, I'm already into the second one. Our wants are just never satisfied. Our needs, our needs can be satisfied. But our wants are never satisfied. And then finally, more is a trap. You ever thought about that? He says here, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money. You could expand that. The love of stuff is the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving, this this craving of more that some have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many Hangs. You see, more is a trap. It's a snare. Because if I give you more, do you know what? There's always more. Isn't there? And, and, and if you give me more, I can always want more, can I? That's what drives me nuts with little kids. Whenever you're trying to explain something to them, and it's, it's a three-letter word, but it really comes across like a four-letter word, that's it. Somebody said it. Why? I think because is a good answer. Why? Because. Why? Because. You know what? I told you I love languages. In Spanish, this works great. The Spanish word for why is por qué. The Spanish word for because is por qué. So here's this conversation in Spanish between a parent and their child. Por qué? Por qué? Por qué? Por qué? Por qué? Por qué? I already told you. Por qué? But more is a trap. It's a snare. And, and here's why. Because if we're always looking for the next, we're never satisfied with the now. You get that? If Satan can always get us looking for the next, we're never going to be satisfied with the now. And if he can keep us unsatisfied with the now, discontent with where we are now, discontent with where God has placed us, discontent with the situations that God has us in, discontent with what God has called us to do and what he's given us, if Satan can get us discontent here, he can lead us anywhere he wants us to go. It's a trap. It's a snare. The best picture, I wish I had found it so we could put it on the screen, is the guy sitting on a donkey with a stick holding a carrot out. (laughs) A donkey says, man, I just got to go a little bit more, and I got that carrot. Just a little bit more, and I got that carrot. And 
And you can lead him wherever you want him to go. Think, think about this. What if God's desire for you was that you were holy, not happy? You ever thought about that? In, in our world, the, the whole thing is, I just I want to be happy. I want to be happy. What if God is more concerned with you being holy than it is for you to be happy? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be content. That's the whole point of this. We can be. But not with more. Not with that. Not with our wants. What if we, what if we changed our thinking a little bit and, and said, you know what? God, I want to be holy. I want to be more like you. What if, what if we understood that God was more concerned with our character making us into the image of Jesus than he was about our comfort? I remember uh, when Hillary was little, she was sick, and I'm trying to get her to take some medicine. Parents, you ever been there? Mmm, this is cherry. Mmm, this is good. Mmm, Poke that in her mouth and it came right back out. So I'm smart. I mix it with a little bit of Sprite. Mmm, mmm, this is soda. You know, poke that in her mouth and it comes right back out. And Daddy, this doesn't taste good. And Cynthia said something that was so deep and so profound that it shook me to my core. Here's what she said. She looked at Hillary and said, it's medicine. It's not supposed to taste good. <laughs> and I thought, wow. Sometimes things happen in our life, and we're like, God, I don't like this. God, this isn't comfortable. This tastes bad. <laughs> what if, what if God said to us, this is for your sanctification. It's not supposed to feel good. This is to make you more into the image of Jesus Christ. It's not supposed to be comfortable for you. I'm more concerned about your character than your comfort. I'm more concerned about you being holy as I'm holy than I am for what this world calls happiness. I'm going to give you the secret to contentment. You can only find it here. I'm just kidding. I told you about that. Run. Paul gives us the secret to contentment. It's in Philippians chapter 4. You can turn there if you want. Verses 10 through 13. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Now, the Apostle Paul, is, he's a missionary, he's out, he had some needs, and, and he's writing to the Philippian Christians, and he says, I'm, I, I rejoice that, that now at length you've revived your concern for me. That's not a slam against them at all. He tells us this. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. They weren't able to help. And Paul says, you know, now... I rejoice that, that now, you know, that this has come back and, and you guys want to help. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. For I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. The Apostle Paul saying, hey guys... I'm not saying that I'm lacking. I've learned to just take what God gives me and just be thankful for whatever God gives me. 
Now that's big coming from the Apostle Paul who's been stoned and left for dead. He's not talking just about food and clothing and shelter here. He's talking about life stuff. And he says, I've, I've learned to just be content. And, and then he gives us the secret. It's in the next verse. And I, I think this is probably the most misused verse that, that I can think of in Scripture. And, and, I'm, and I may deflate some of, your, some of your balloons here. I'm sorry. Philippians 4.13, most of you have memorized. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've heard that used from everything to tough life situations. And and Paul's kind of talking about that here to sporting events, (laughs) competitions. This verse is talking about being content. Paul said, let me tell you the secret of contentment. And this is the guy that was stoned, and, and they thought I was dead, and they walked away, and they left me thinking I was, if they thought I was still alive, they would have, they would have killed me. I, I, I've learned how to, how to be content when I have lots of stuff. I've learned how to be content when I don't have much. I've learned how to be content when things are going well in my ministry. I, I've learned how to be content when I'm being dragged off outside the city. And, and it's like the Apostle Paul is saying, do you know how I learned that? Do you want me to tell you the secret in there? I've learned how to be content in Christ. I can do all things in, through Christ who strengthens me. True contentment, here's the secret. True contentment is found only in Christ. There is nothing else, there is no one else who satisfies but Christ. He, here's our problem. Our problem is we try to fill a hole that we have with things from the world. Uh, for some, it's work. Man, if I just work a little bit harder, and, and maybe with you, uh, that, that might come with money. If I just had a little bit more money, man, I tell you. One, one guy, I, I loved it. He was very gracious in the video. I don't need a billion dollars. A million would be fine. <laughs> As opposed to the guy who wants millions and millions in control of the world. That guy's got some issues. try to fill it with relationships we try to fill it with stuff we try to fill it with activity we try to fill it with works we try to we try to fill it sometimes with food for some people they they turn to drugs or alcohol we try to fill it with lots of things and here's the problem with that only christ can fill that hole you see jesus came to say we call that the gospel that's the good news Jesus came to save, but you know what? He came to save every area of our life. He came to redeem. He came to redeem every area of our life. And and we kind of think of that as something that just happens that moment when we come to faith in Christ. But you know what? That's just a part of the salvation. Salvation, that's where it begins and it goes all the way through. We think that that only those who don't know Christ need to hear the gospel. We need to understand that we need the gospel every single day. The gospel is this. Jesus saves you from your loneliness. Jesus will save you from your discontentment. Jesus will save you from your emptiness. 
there's nothing else that will fill that space that only Christ was meant to fill. True contentment is just resting in Christ. True contentment is totally surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you're like, yeah, um, and a little bit more money. <laughs> no, no. And the right relationship. And, and for some, you may be saying, I don't even have a good friend. Listen, a good friend can't fill that hole. Only Jesus can. I just need a better job. <laughs> better job won't fill that hole. Only Jesus can. If only my kids would straighten up. <laughs> How your kids behave won't fill that hole. Only Jesus can. True contentment is found only in Christ. Where have you been looking? Let's pray. Father, God, I, I, thank, you that, I thank you that contentment is not found in this world. What we find in this world are temporary things, things that, that maybe sort of satisfy for just a little bit, but not for very long, and then we need more. God, I pray that, that for each and every one of us this morning, that you would turn our hearts to Christ, who is the fulfillment. <laughs> it, it, it sounds great, God, in, in, in some of these romantic comedies, that, that when a guy meets a girl and and, and he says, you complete me. And, and yet, God, we know that that's not true. Only Christ can complete us. And so, Father, this morning, by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would convict us. God, whatever it is that's been keeping us from finding our contentment in Christ, would you just bring that to the surface? Lord, maybe for some of us, that's become an idol that we've been chasing after. God, would you help us just to put those things aside? And this morning, we just settle on Christ, the one who came to save, the one who came to redeem. And God, for some of us who maybe uh, have been walking uh, with you for, for some time now, maybe even this morning, we just need to come back and just say, God, I, I just want to totally, fully, completely surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus, you're the only one who can fill me. You're the only one who can complete me. And, and I've been trying other things, and I just confess that as sin. This morning, I just want to say, Jesus, you are the only one. God, I just pray that you do that work in our hearts. That would allow us to be able to surrender totally and completely to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.